0: Hi, this is Gordon Davis and you're listening to the Fulham Focus podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Premier League podcast. I am J-Mac, your host. Well, the heat and steam of that unforgettable night at Wembley against q Bridge starts to clear, only slightly. We now see the gorgeous horizon of a lion's head wearing a crown, gradually roaring our arrival to the top flight and our opener against Arsenal. But what will it entail? Can we stay up? VAR, a benefit or a hindrance? And just how many bloody central midfielders are we in for? Kicking it off with transfers, I'm joined by Matthew Baldwin and Will Oakley. Allé. Fulham. Right, boys. I lied. Actually, we've got some breaking news here. That Scott Parker has signed a new three-year contract with the club. Uh, Bordeaux. The reaction to this seems decent. Um, to this, as expected. Something we all wish Slavisa. W- we wish we, he would have done at the start of the 18-19 season. What are your thoughts on this? Are you happy?
0: Um, I'm very happy just because it offers us that little bit of security. I don't know when Scott Parker's initial contract was up. I think it may have been at the end of next summer or next summer rather. But what I think this does, it gives us a little bit more stability because if you want to, I want to bring Burnley into this, for instance, we Mm -hmm. saw what they did a couple of years ago. Um, They got promoted uh, with Sean Dice, then got relegated with Sean Dice and they showed some faith in him that, you know, he got us up, so we have faith in him to bring us back up again. I think that's what this does with Scott Parker. It basically says, listen, Scott, this season could go well. This season may not go well. But if it doesn't go well, you've shown that we will trust you to take us back to the, to take us back to the Premier League in 2021, 22, whatever, the following season. That's basically yeah. what, what it says that's basically what it says to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, the quotes here, signing a new deal provides stability and an opportunity to keep developing the team. There's still a lot of hard work ahead of us and we'll always be striving to improve and progress every day from the man himself, Scott Parker. So similar words there. What are your thoughts on this, Mr Oakley? Mate.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with Baldwin mostly that it shows the loyalty and trust we have in Parker. And I think it also shows it's more than just results. It's a long term project that we're going for which I think is something, again, that shows stability in the club, which is probably something we haven't had in quite a few years now. Um, And I I just think it's quite good because obviously we'll get onto individual players later. But the way Parker works with individual players, the players obviously want him to stay around. And I think that's just going to improve kind of the happiness around the squad, which is something we really need because the mental game in the Premier League is probably almost as big as the physical game.
1: Yeah, quite right. And, you know, look, as you say, it's a project. It's still a project. And I think we're still only in phase one. We managed to sort out our defence and he's got the mentality of the team to make sure that all we want is to not concede, have that absolutely warrior-like mentality to never concede the goal. I think the next stage now is trying to adapt ourselves to being a bit more attacking and convert our chances more with more speed and more accuracy in this new league that we find ourselves in. And that goes lovely with the transfers. Now let's talk about the transfers that we have officially sealed so far. So I think the believe the first one that we had was a Mr. Antony Robinson, the last Jedi. What are your thoughts on this transfer, Mr. Um,
0: I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised by this because the thought was that he was going to be our starting left back in the Premier League. So we didn't really need to add much to it you know maybe you could get a veteran left back to to maybe to maybe cover for him but you know Anthony Robinson, it's a bit weird because he's going to be providing fresh competition for him you'd think if he's going to carry on as left back he can also play midfield we we assume that he's going to be covering his left back and not as a not as a winger for instance um it it was a bit just a bit of a strange one if I mean I mean he's obviously got some talent you know AC Milan were in for him for I think ten million, I think, in January. So I mean, obviously proves he's right, got yeah. so he yeah, he's got something about him, but I'm just not quite sure where he's gonna fit in to the main, you know, is is he gonna is he being brought into the backup and like a future project sort of thing, a two or three year down the line player, or is he being brought in to challenge with Joe Bryan? And you think after what Joe Bryan did, does he really need the competition? You think he'd have that place sewn up. That was, that was, those were just my initial thoughts when he came through.
2: Well, I think I pretty much agree with Baldwin, to be honest. Again, it's a bit of a strange one. Obviously, Brian's heroics. Um, that, well, they were heroics. That's exactly what they were. Uh, but I think for me, it's a bit more he's going to be providing competition because if you remember after lockdown, Brian was mm. woeful. So he then got dropped and for a doy at left back. And as soon as he came back in the team, he looked great. And I think one of the main reasons was because the threat to Brian of getting dropped was too big for him not to perform. So I think this is a bit of a an upgrade for a backup. Um, that, That's something that clearly Brian maybe thrives off. And Robinson, I think, is probably a better backup than doy for left-back anyway, because obviously doy is probably better at right-back and centre-back. And mm. yeah, I think he can be a backup and he's still young. Uh, so he can maybe like a long-term thing and could be providing competition for Brian as well. Well,
1: what's interesting about Robinson is he's very similar to Joe Bryan in the sense of his pace, and, you know, they're quite attacking. But instead of going for the overlap and going towards the byline like Joe Bryan does, Robinson appears to sort of actually slightly invert and go towards the middle a bit more and go a bit more central but his strengths are you know dribbling interceptions and crossing I mean I think he's going to be a very fine proposition for us and will provide healthy competition for Brian rather than potentially overtaking him the rumors of for instance Joe Brian going to left wing I think are absolute nonsense I think this is definitely just healthy competition for Joe Brian and you know I think we've got a serious bargain on our hands and very nice of the club as well to add an extra 100k onto the to the transfer as well for you know Wiggins troubles at the moment really classy touch I thought Hold no. on, hold
0: on. I just want to I just want to say something about that 100 k If we're Go just on. throwing money around just for the sake of it, then then where where is this money come from? Are we are we as the fans going to be seeing any benefits of this? If we're just throwing money around, can we get you know decent hand washers in the Hammersmith and toilets, for instance? <laughs> or can we or or as the as the Riverside Stand just got an extra budget so we can get decent Wi Fi in it and all? I just if, if we're throwing money around, let's 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 the fans see some money as well. I just want just want to add that quickly.
1: Well, he might start adding some grated cheese on those cottage pies they do. Lovely pies. Exactly, they just are like
0: that. A little extra
1: thing. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Let's move on to our next um, official signing. Now, this was done pretty much, I think, about 20 minutes or something before the one that we all wanted to hear. But this guy is called Mario Lamina from Juventus, then Southampton, then to Galatasaray on loan. What are your thoughts on this one, Will Oakley? I'm quite excited by this guy.
2: Uh yeah, I'm quite excited by him as well. I think for me, he reminds me a bit of Josh Onuma. Uh, I think he's a bit box to box, and he seems to be be able to play in the cam centre mid or CDM role, which is yeah. probably quite good as a versatile midfielder. Um, I've seen a lot yeah. of Southampton fans say that Lamina does have a bad attitude, but on his day, he can be a great player. And hopefully that's something Parker could work with because, like I mentioned before, the player management that Parker gets involved in, um, it could really help us get the best out of Lamina. And I think that could help because at the end of the loan, he does have a buyback clause. So hopefully he could be a bit of a long-term signing for us.
1: Yeah, I see this signing very similar to, I mean, this for me, we'll talk about angisa later on, but this, this signing says to me that angisa is on the move potentially. He's got that very physical presence, Lamina. He's quite tall, athletic-looking, very well-built, but he is incredibly skillful with his feet. There's some moments of absolute magic of him on some YouTube highlights, which I recommend having a look at. But his role as a sort of CDM seems to be a lot more prominent in his recent loan spell that he had at Galatasaray. And what I think is that him and Harrison Reed may be used as a double pivot, sort of intermittent, taking in turns to be the anchor, cover the back four, but also make forward runs of each other. Reese, what are your thoughts on Lamina, mate?
0: Um, I think it's I think it's a very good signing. I think one of the things we're gonna be, you know, needing to rely on a lot more is basically our defensive work because let's say, let's face it, last time we're in the Premier League, our defense was not that good. And you know, most of the back four, most of the you know, defensive line, it's still Joe Bryan at left back who was in the Premier League. It's still, as things stand, Cyrus Christie or Dennis Adoy, our Premier League right backs things and still Tim Ream at uh, left centre-back. The only real change has been Michael Hector. And as good as Michael Hector is, when you're playing against, you know, De Bruyne, Aubameyang, to an extent Pogba, Rashford, Salah, all that lot on a weekly basis, they're going to get found out. So I think right. we're going to need a little bit more stability in front of the back line, a little bit more defensive. Work. And I think that's what Lamina will offer. You know, if you think of a you know, 4-2, 3-1 in effect, or 4-2-1, 2-1, however you want to it up. Harrison Reid and Mario Almina both sitting in front of that both acting as defensive midfielders in front of that back four. I think that's going to provide a little bit more extra stability. It could also come in the way of another center back, but if that doesn't if that doesn't occur because let's face it, based on the rumors we've been hearing, left centre back doesn't really seem to be the priority this window. Based based <laughs> on based on what based on the business so far anyway. Um, so yeah the, the stability in front of the back four I think that's what they're going to be he here Harrison Reed are going to be providing most.
1: Yeah. And you can see with Mario Lamina as well, he's got a pass accuracy rate of 92%. So you can see why we're in for him. Uh, his strengths are from com: are passing, interceptions, tackling and dribbling. I think he's going to make a fine signing and the depth we need, especially if Harry Arta, Johansson, McDonald are out. This is definitely a good move and we could have an actual steal if we can just get that attitude, what well, alleged attitude problem just out of the way ever so slightly. Now, our final official signing, which happened about fifteen minutes later, another central midfielder. How annoying! And yet, it's the one we all wanted, extremely, extremely well, well announced by the club, um, saying "announce Reed" in capital letters, small letters, capital letters, small letters. It's the ginger cante is Harrison Reed. Now, what are your thoughts on this, Mister Oakley? I mean, it's what we all wanted, isn't it?
2: A hundred percent is. I mean, he was great last season, despite his little injury struggles, especially after lockdown when he was back fit again. He was great. Um, I think he's just what we're looking for, really. A kind of defensive midfielder that we didn't really have before because obviously we had McDonald, but he's a bit past it now and Johansson can play there. But again, I don't think he's at his best anymore. Kenny has obviously started to play deeper and on him a bit more in front, but Reed is just that player that wants to stay back all the time uh and he was just great for us last season. I think eight million pounds as well in this transfer market Steel. is an absolute bargain exactly it is, and I th- can only see him getting better for us,
0: yeah, absolutely. I agree with win I know a lot of people are sort of saying towards the end of the season you know whether or not we got promoted that this was basically the Oliver Norwood deal. Um, yes. a midfielder that we had on loan and we don't want to make the same mistake again. And I think that's really going to be, you know, not just with the Harrison Reed deal, but with you know the the whole transfer window in general. That's going to be the general message. You know, you talk about the fee for eight million pounds, that's brilliant compared to what I off the top of my head, like 45, 50 million we paid for Seri and Angisa together. When you consider mm. that we've got Reed and Lamina for what 10 million combined depending on how it works end of the season 18 million that's really that's excellent business from you know from the club from tony khan who i've been critical of i still think he does deserve some criticism but i think the way that we're we're going about this business and the harrison redeal, i think sort of epitomizes it more than anything the fact that we were forward thinking with you know it was the loan with the option to buy obviously it took a little bit longer because there was the promotion riding on as well. But the fact that we got mm. the deal done and for such good money, I think was excellent business sense. And, you know, is starting to be played across the rest of the transfer window.
1: Well, there you are, Harrison Reid until 2024 with an option for an extra 12 months. Take a bow, sir. welcome home. Right. Well, let's talk about the transfer speculation, which is always fun. I think what we'll do is we'll start from back to front. So we'll start with the goalkeeper scenario first. Now, I've been recently watching the documentary Spurs All or Nothing and I was quite excited by this guy, Paolo Gazzaniga. And then I started, what, about maybe episode three and I thought, I'm not sure if I want this anymore. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on potential coming in of Paolo Gazzaniga, please, Mr. Rees.
0: Yeah, with Gazzaniga, I think, you know, I talked about we're learning from our mistakes earlier, but this is why I say Tony Crom does a little bit of criticism. We're not learning from the mistakes in every single You know, area of the pitch. We have a goalkeeper who, you know, Mark Spettinelli, If you look at the last season, because he came in like December time and then was brilliant through the 23 game unbeaten run. We were Mm -hmm. we were more or less of the of the of the agreement that he deserved his chance to be in the Premier League. He you know he earned the right because he done brilliantly in you know in the top of the Championship. Then we go in and buy Fabry and we go in and buy Sergio Rico. It's pretty much the same thing here. Mario Road, uh, sorry. I think has did brilliantly in the last in the last half of the season. Ever since he took over from Benelli, made some cracking saves late on. He, in the same way, has earned the right to at least have a go in the Premier League. So, yep. when we're buying someone like Paragazan Gazaniga, what what is the plan with him? Are we buying him as backup for when and if? Mario uh, Marek Mar- Mar- Rodak still got still got Lamina in my mind when Rodak makes an error say in October and we have to bring in and we have to bring in someone else to cover for him and we think Betanelli isn't really up to the job so let's get in this you know Premier League quality, so to speak, from Spurs goalkeeper, or is he going to take Marek Rodak's place straight away? That's what I don't get with this. And it's the same really goes for the other goalkeeper that we're being linked. I'll sort of put the two together with Mateo Perrin at Juventus. It's the same thing. He's, He's 27 years old. He's been back up at Juventus. What is the plan with him? Are we saying he's good enough to be a starting goalkeeper, but because he's had the likes of Buffon and Chesney in front of him, he just hasn't had the chance. So now we're going to give him the start and push Rodak to the side. So that's my main queries with this, is what is the long-term, even short-term plan with the likes of Gazaniga and Perrin. And don't get me wrong, I like Gazaniga. I think he's a fine backup goalkeeper. And if he's being brought in just as a backup, that's fine, because I don't want Marek Rodak to be be, um, uh, disrupted. Let's put it that way. So... Yeah, so that, that that's really it. I want to know what the plan is first before I can get a real judgment on it.
1: Well, I mean, first things first, it'd be quite big boots to fill if Perrin is the goalkeeper we sign because we haven't signed a goalkeeper from Juventus since uh, a very famous Edwin van der Sar. So that would be quite quite daunting for the chat. But I, I've got to say that I think personally, I don't know if these guys are being told that they're coming in as a number one, I think that they are going to supply healthy competition for Rodak because if Rodak say gets injured in the first game, we need someone who is Premier League quality, like Gazaniga, who has actually played in the Premier League, or someone like Perrin, who has played in the top flight to suddenly just swoop in. We can't rely on Magnus. that well, what we can't rely on Magnus Norman now. In fact, he's just been released. But what are your thoughts in this world? Do you see these two options as potential number ones, or just healthy competition, or just straight number two? What do you think?
2: I think that there would both be good signings to be honest Um, I know uh, as much as I love Bettinelli, like you're saying, if Rodak gets injured, I don't think Bettinelli is is up for it anymore and I think Rodak is just miles ahead of Bettinelli that Rodak just knows that there's no competition for him, which maybe means he's going to take his uh, place for for granted Um, whereas I think uh Gazaniga and Perrin could both be good signings. I think I'm more keen on uh Gazaniga because he he looks better with his feet. I mean, I'm just looking at stats from kind of last season, but his pass mm. pass accuracy is much better than Perrin's and you know how we like to play it out the back earth a bit. I think I'd rather someone who's a bit better with his feet. And yes. also Perrin did concede quite a lot of goals last season, although he was on loan at Genoa and obviously playing against bigger Italian teams, um, I think Eagle would be the better option. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. I just think for me, if they're being told they're number one, then it's not worth it. But if they're coming in to bring healthy competition for Odak so he doesn't take his place for granted, um, so be it. Make the signing.
1: Yeah, I think also. I mean, if the rumors are true that potentially Betanelli is being sniffed at by Celtic, and I, I don't know. I mean, a sort of a sort of character like Fraser Forster might be an interesting one. So like a goalkeeper who's 30, it's just their age that concerns me of Perrin and Gasaniga, like you say, because it makes it feel like that's actually someone who could take the number one spot. But competition is good. Just like for Joe Bryan and Anthony Robinson. Hopefully this actually pushes out to be better than he already is. But let's move on to the first line of the back four then. Let's talk about defenders now we can we'll get on to the left center back thing at the moment because we're literally crying out for that like we're crying for a new kit to be announced at the moment but let's talk about well let's talk about Bogle from Derby just because purely Matty Cash is now definitely going to Aston Villa it seems it seems like 95% there am I right so um, yeah. you say 90 yeah. you say
0: it's 95% there but I'm pretty sure Joe Brian was 99% there when we All stuck right. him okay. away from Aston Villa so but yeah but for the but for the sake of this, uh, yeah, I do think Matty Cash is on his way to Aston Villa, so let's rule let let's rule him out for
1: this stage. Let's rule him out there. I mean, it's exciting as a prospect that would have been. I actually, I just want to say my point clearly that I don't think that we should be going for two championship uh, fullbacks. I, I feel like uh, Joe Bryan is. Hopefully, can prove himself to be a Premier League ready fullback. We've also got Anthony Robson, who's a, uh, a Championship fullback. I feel like we need just a bit of balance with a Premier League ready right back, and I just don't really know where that's coming from. We haven't actually been linked with any Premier League right back so far. I've got Jaden Bogle, and of all familiar flame is Yusuf Sabaly. I mean, what are your thoughts on those two, Mister
0: Um I think we were discussing this in the chat today. in In terms of priority positions right back yeah. isn't really what i'm what i'm what i'm looking for personally personally i don't think cyrus christie did much wrong when he came in when he when we we're in the premier league um you know, mm-hmm. he, you know maybe maybe that maybe that was a case of you know maybe that was a case of him you know overstepping the barrier that was set by timothy fossumensa who was terrible, but I don't think he was all that bad. So I wouldn't be, you know, concerned with Cyrus Christie taking the taking the right back position, and then Dennis Sadoy being the backup. Uh, so, so yeah. And I personally, isn't it also Jaden Bogle? I'm pretty sure it's Bogle more than anything. But yeah, but it's but it's did I say boggle? Jo- You did say Bogle, like the board game. But anyway, it's it is like. Is a cracking ball game. But it is similar to the Joe Bryan, Anthony Robinson thing. I think we do have a Premier League right back in Cyrus Christie. It's then oh. just a case of who do we have of backing him. Don't, I don't, don't be laughing. I, okay, he's not, he's not in the top half of Premier League right backs. But I think for I'm not club laughing where, I'm where we are and where we're looking at, I think Cyrus Christie is fine. Personally, Ryan Fredericks, I'd much rather get him back, if we're being honest. We're talking about Premier League right backs. Um, I'd rather go for him because he's up for sale from West Ham you know you said why are we looking at championship left backs and all that sort of stuff let's go get Ryan Fredericks I'd much rather him come in than Sabaly and Omar Bogle
1: Jaden Bogle yeah. sorry
0: Omar Bogle uh, that's, that's the one that's
1: the one I got confused with Um but yeah fair enough and look I mean the full system that we have now is completely different uh, than it was under Slavica. They're a lot more disciplined. They stay back a lot more. Who, who am I to say that, you know, I don't want to be one? Because, I, look, I think Size Christie's a cracking guy. I don't want to be one of the people that was slaying, slaying him and slagging him off loads, like, you know, two seasons ago. I really hope he can do it. But I just feel like we need potentially... I mean, Will, you yourself said when we were planning to talk about potential transfers if we got promoted, you were looking at someone like Jan, Matt, just an experienced sort of right back that from Watford that could mention just, you know, be a sort of, I don't know what are your thoughts on that. will just generally on the right back situation.
2: Yeah. I think you're right in an experienced fullback. Definitely would not be a bad thing. And um, when we were linked with cash, I was actually really excited. I think he would have been a great sign in. So, and now he's probably going to Villa, which I'm a bit gutted about. Um, I think I see the point that Baldwin's saying, to be honest, about Christie being a Premier League right-back. I think we do still need to sign a right-back, but for me, left centre-back's more important and probably another winger. Right now, right-back would be after those two positions for me in the transfer priority list. Uh, when we look at Jaden Bogle, I still think he'd also be a good sign-in, but I don't think he's Premier League ready yet. He's Not yet, only no. just got out of his teenage years. He's twenty years old. Yeah, he's played a lot of games uh, last season. He played thirty-seven games for Derby, and he made more assists out of any right back that we've got in our squad. But I just don't think yet he's ready. I mean, albeit sign him for a, again like another long-term project. But if we're signing him and we still want a fullback who's going to do really really well in the Premier League. I think we either have to go with Christie or sign someone more experienced.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, hopefully we'll get some news on that soon. I, I you know, Sabali doesn't inspire me, and Boga doesn't inspire me at all, not as a, a starter. So maybe Cyrus Christie will have to do it with Dennis Adoy sort of taking it in turns. But I, I do think that a right back, it was actually, I think I heard that, you know, reluctant Nico on Twitter saying that we are definitely in for a, a center back and a right back in this window. So who knows? Hopefully stuff will occur. Now let's quickly talk about the center back position. That I just alluded to. We, I'm, I'm going to skim through some of these. So Gerard Pique, bugger off. Uh, Chris Smalling, not going to happen. Definitely going to Roma. Uh, Terence Congolo, pretty much announced today in the release list that said he has gone back. To his club, who knows he might come back to us, but I, I don't think that's happening either. What are your thoughts on the left centre back position? Do you think there's potential that any light of that ridiculous rumor of PK, or any potential that Chris Morning could come back? Reese, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah,
0: you know, I, I hinted at I hinted at this earlier. I'm just honestly baffled that we're taking this long because we are less than two weeks until the first game of the season. We are the first game of the season, and we still haven't addressed the position that I think is is the, the most important for us, if we are to stand a good chance of staying up this season. Yeah. No, we've, there's the fanciful, there's the fanciful names. Again, as you said, PK, no, Smalling, no, Congolo. I'd I'd like to, I'd like to see him have another go, but I don't think he'd have been released straight. The the way that whole thing was worded, I don't think we want him back. Yeah. So his injury was too severe as well. Yeah, exactly. We're starting afresh, basically. We've got you know, wipe the slate clean and start again when it comes to the centre back position. I honestly don't know because I'm because we're running out of names because as well, there aren't any, there are no there are names
1: being linked to this position. It's mad. Like at the moment, no. we just have to do guesswork. I've spent so much time, Rhys, on who dot looking at centre backs who are left footed, who have good passing stats that are better or if the same as Tim Ream. I'm doing all the work here, and I'm getting fed up with it.
0: I was going to say, surely you must be able to DM Tony Card and let him know, let him know your findings. I'm sure he'll be, I'm sure he'll be happy
1: with it. Well, look, with the time that we've got left, which isn't hardly any time at all, I feel like we're going to have to do someone. Yeah, <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> like, like... Or keep it. In. I don't oh, mind. Okay. Oh, anyway, look. What I'm trying to say is, is that I think with the time that we have left, we're going to have to look across the road and go to Chelsea and ask if we can loan either Tomori and Andreas Christensen. Both great in- in- interception uh, players of the ball. Really good passing stats. Actually, in fact, better than Tim Reams. Mm-hmm someone like that who can fill the left centre-back position. We basically need a player who not necessarily is left-footed, but can play in the left centre-back position, who is a younger version of Timmy when it comes to passing accuracy and the various skills that he possesses. Will Oakley, what are your thoughts on the left centre-back really quickly before we move
2: on? I absolutely agree with everything that you've said, um, that it needs to be done quicker. And I mean, Chris Smalley, and I know he's pretty much out of the question now, but I actually really, really liked him. I know you uh you guys weren't too sure because he hasn't really played left center back before but I think he actually mm. would have been quite good to have back but that's probably not happening now. Um PK just no point talking about it really is it. It was never uh, really going to happen. A uh, bit of fun, but yeah, like you say we haven't been linked with anyone and um 2 weeks until it starts it's getting uh, you know a bit of a close call at the moment.
1: Well, let's go on to well, you know, I'm looking, we keep we keep being in for central midfielders at the moment. Potentially Florentino Luis, who from Benfica might be joining us next week. Now, he is a really tidy player, really tidy, and I think it's just one that will, again, quite exciting, but I don't know if he's actually going to be a starter for us. All these signings for central midfield, first of all, it's Scott Parker's old position. You can tell that a strong midfield is where he's at. That's what he wants, first and foremost, clearly, hence all the central midfielders. But I just get this feeling that Certain people are going to be off now. We already talked about McDonald and Johansson, I think Angisa is definitely leaving now. And I something tells me that potentially might John Michael seri might be staying, but we'll come on to that. Let's move past the central midfielders because we talked about them enough. Let's talk about wingers really quickly. Now, the first of all, the one that keeps coming up and he keeps taunting us with his tweets at the moment is Ryan Babel. Would you like to see Ryan Babel back at the cottage, Mr. Ugly?
2: I actually would. I mean, some people are saying that his age is a bit of a concern, but he's a player that already um, already knows the club. He seems to really like working under Scott Parker towards the end of that last season. And uh, when we were, you know, really struggling towards the end, he was really one of the only players that seemed to be scoring goals and, you know, making good passes and putting in a lot of effort. So mm. I actually think he would be, would be quite a good signing. Obviously, again, that's, not a lo- that's really not a long-term thing because he's 33. But for a season or two and maybe to help the, maybe a younger winger that might come in along with him, uh, I think that'd be a great signing.
1: So let's move on. The other wingers have been linked with Ryan Frazier, but he seems almost like a toe away from joining Newcastle. You've got Jean-Paul Botis. You've got Jovan Cabral. Now, this is the player who we were actually in for last season. Now, Sporting Lisbon won 20 million euros at least for this player. And it's rumours now that Tottenham, Josie Mourinho are sniffing around for him. What were your thoughts on this signing that we keep being linked with, Mr. Reese?
0: um i'll be pretty honest he's one of these i don't follow the portuguese a lot. Okay. So, this, I don't so, this is, so this is so this is a name that comes sort of out of nowhere for me but if we just take a look at his stats at face value which is what Tony khan seems to be doing so we'll so we'll follow that line of logic um okay i don't think i don't think he'd be all that bad yeah um is it basically is he an upgrade on the likes of Nockart and Cavallero, who I think are going to be the starting wingers next season? I, Cabano did and Cabano as well. You've got to throw him into the equation as well. Are they going to start? Is he going to start ahead of those guys? Um, again, based on the based on the rest on the stats face value, I don't think he is. So this is again going to be another you know backup stash rotation signing. And if we're being forced to pay twenty million euros or twenty million pounds, it's basically the same thing these days. I, 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 don't honestly th- I don't honestly think that's worth it. That, that, that takes us back to where we were last time we were in the Premier League of spending, spending stupid money. If he's going to start, then maybe that you know, £20 million pounds for a winger sounds about right. But then you're thinking we've just spent however many million on Caviero and however many million on Knockout making their deals permanent. So mm. it's just a case of balancing spending the, spending the right money and you know spending stupid money and trying to get that balance right.
1: Yeah and no experience in the Premier League either which is always a bit of a negative especially what we're trying to learn from the couple of seasons ago as you say. Now the other winger that we've been linked with is Grady Diangana from West Ham but West Brom have now had a 15 million bid accepted for him allegedly so there's really no point of talking about him. Another thing is that West Brom made a bid for Carlin Grant which I don't think has been accepted but I'm very jealous of that because I think Carlin Grant would be great for us but the Real strong link today, and the one that keeps being circulated at the moment, is Bertrand Traore, who used to play for Chelsea, but now he's a winger slash centre-forward for Lyon. Now, this is the sort of signing we have been looking for in the sense of a winger who can play on the right, occasionally on the left, but is also a centre-forward as well. Well, Oakley, what are your thoughts on this signing? Because that is Premier League experience right there.
2: Uh, To be honest, I'm not 100% set on him. He played 23 games and scored one goal in Liga. Um, it's not it's not great stats, and he like you say he can play winger and centre forward, which you know if he, if he can play both, that kind of makes the stats even worse. Um, for me, I'd actually prefer Cabral because I I just think he's I uh, I just think he's better overall. I think he has a bit more potential than him. I think Triore's already failed at Chelsea. There's obviously something that Chelsea didn't see in him. Um, and mm-hmm. they're usually quite good with their youth players. So maybe, I mean, maybe I wouldn't say no to the signing, but I think Cabral would be a bit better than him. Although I do think that Troy Ray and Cabral are kind of the players that could learn off Babbel if we do bring Babbel in. You know, Babbel's yeah. 11 years older than, him, than both of them and he's got Premier League experience. So that is something he could teach them both. Um, I don't think it'd be a bad signing, but I think there's better options out there. See, no, I, see I
0: personally go the other. See, I personally go the other way. Well, I think he'd be, I, I, I quite like the idea of signing Troy Aikman because I think he'd be, you know, you mentioned winger slash center forward. I think he could be the the new, the replacement for the upgrade of Abubakar Kamara. I think that's something that we're gonna, again going to need a lot, a lot more of. I know the Premier League is still umming and airing about whether or not they want their five subs and nine, nine subs, nine substitutes, five substitutions thing. But if we're back mm. down to seven, we're going to need players that are going to be able to adapt and play multiple positions, similar to the way Kamara could play up front or out wide. And I think Bertrand Traoré is is an upgrade on a Kamara. So if we have to put him on the substitutes bench to you know cover for Mitrovic or cover for one of the wingers, I personally I personally wouldn't be wouldn't be you know two against two against that idea. I think that I think that would be an astute sign. Again, it depends on what the value is if we can get him for. 10 million, I think that's fine. If we're getting mm. it up towards 15, 16, 17, 18 million, which I'd slightly be okay with that, but it'd be pushing it a bit. Anything above the likes of 20 million, then no.
2: Yeah, I do see what you're saying about that. Um, but I just think Cabral, he's kind of a player that's you know only played for one club in his career. And maybe he just wants that step up. Whereas if you look at Triore, he's gone from Chelsea and then on loan to Vitesse, Ajax, and then Leon. So, his careers, you know, Leon, they're a great club, but they are a bit of a downgrade from a Premier League side like Chelsea. Whereas Cabral, maybe he wants to push for that step up. And I feel like if he joins Fulham, he's going to feel like that uh, kind of privileged player that, you know, wants to try his hardest to get into the starting 11. Something that uh, Anthony Robinson said was where, like, you know, you want to fight for your place. I feel like that's something that Cabral would want to do maybe more than Triore, and Triore would maybe think he's a bit better than the club because he's played for Chelsea before. I mean, I I don't really know much about either of their attitudes, but on paper, I just think Cabral looks a bit more like that player who would want to fight for the club.
1: feels like Finder's keepers a bit with Cabral as well, because we were in for him just in the championship before all these other clubs came sniffing around. So I feel like it would be really nice to get Cabral. But Bertrand Charori, I mean, hearing from a couple of fans, Leon fans are saying he's been incredibly frustrating for them this past season and by the sound of things he is very similar to anthony nokka a lot of showboating not fast enough not getting into the final third quick enough and just not making that killer pass when needed to and that that sounds worrying but i mean another person described it that it is like anthony nokka with ak47's pace so who knows maybe that's actually what they want i'm not sure it could be a perfect perfect marriage of those two put together but let's see let's go on to center forwards now now the ones we've been linked with the strongly linked ones you've got ollie watkins you've got ryan brewster not so strong and you've got callum wilson now callum wilson i think is on his way to villa potentially as well i'm not too sure but look out of these oh we've also got macaulay bond from charlton but i think that was i mean that seems like a fart in the wind i don't think that's actually going to happen so what are your thoughts on those four options mr reese which one stands out to you if any
0: um, of the four of them, I'd quite like Ollie Watkins just because it would piss off. What did you call them? Q Bridge earlier. I, I did quite like that. FC, whatever. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, whatever you want to call them. I think it, it would it would tick them off quite a bit. So, so I'd quite like, it. but, but on, a, bar on a serious note, I do quite like Rhea Brewster. You know, when me, you, and Danny were doing the 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 Championship restart podcast, and we were talking mm. about teams that could that could sort of make this make make a late charge. I did mention Swansea because I think Rian Brewster is a fine player, so so I quite like him. But again, it comes back to what we we're saying about what role that he would play as a twenty year old. Jurgen Klopp, if we were to get him on loan, for instance, Jurgen Klopp would want him to play. And alexander mm. Mitrovic is not giving up that spot. So any centre forward that we bring in would have to be, again, a backup player. If well, I'm going just going to interrupt be... you
1: there really quickly. I'm going to interrupt you there. Do you not think there's an argument? Because we beat Brentford without Mitrovic. We beat a, quite a few key games and key, uh, key opposition teams without Mitrovic. And I'm not saying we're better without Mitrovic. I'm not that deluded. But I'm simply saying there are going to be games where we are going to need a different type of striker to win them potentially, don't you think?
0: Right, absolutely. And, you know, you've changed my mind there, J-Mac. Now you've offered me up to a, a new way of thinking. That That's an excellent point. But again, it does come back to how many games would would that backup forward, you know, centre forward play if we need to change things around. You know, a young player on loan, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp would want Ream Reimble- Brewster to play as many games as possible. You know, how many would he get backing up Mitrovic? 10? Starts maybe you know that's being very generous, and then maybe fifteen substitute appearances. Maybe if we want to chase a goal and we got to bring Harrison Reed off to throw another forward on that sort of thing. I I, I don't get me wrong, I would like him, but I wanted to be on you know. On the on the right terms you know what it's you can 't say we 're not here to develop other other clubs youngsters. I want That's any right. loan deal of any youngster to be of the it needs to be the right move and i don 't think green brewster would be the right move ever I like him I want him, but i just don 't think he would really soon i 'd much rather us go for again that veteran center forward. i can 't think of who 's lying around these days is Jermaine defoe still going everyone seems to think he can still do in the premier League let 's bring let 's bring him back or berbatov you know something along those lines. Exaggerating a bit, but those kind of players, those veteran centre forwards that are okay with being a backup to Alexandra Mitrovic. Now we talked about Ryan Babel earlier. I think that's that'd be a fine role for him. Yeah, you know, we mentioned Bertrand Traore earlier. I think that'd be a fine role for him. I'd, it's just again, it's just about getting that balance right.
1: Well, what are your thoughts on which uh, signing you like the sound of, and if any alternatives you can think of, mate? For me, it's
2: Ollie Watkins that stands out. And um, if you look at his stats the shot per games are less than Mitrovic and I think in the Premier League you've got to get used to probably having less shots um, that, than you do in the Championship because the defences and the midfields are stronger. Uh, he also created more chances than Mitrovic, Kamara and Bobby Reed. so I think that's something also that we need maybe a bit of creativity in the front three because Mitrovic is obviously a great finisher but He's not one that tends to run around and try to win the ball and, you know, play great passes. But as Watkins has played played out on the wing before, you know, he can do that. And, and, you know, you raised the point earlier about maybe needing a different striker to win games. I think Watkins can do just that. And he got one less goal than Mitrovic in the league, which obviously is kind of great. But he also scored an insane amount of goals in a decent league, the Championship, He's still young. He's only 24. And I think he's that different striker uh, that we need because he's also a great finisher as well as the pace and dribbling he's got.
1: Mm. It seems to me that he might be going to Villa as well. At the moment, it says Callum Wilson might go to Villa. They say Watkins might go to Villa. They say Matt Cash might go to Villa. they're just generally pissing me off all over again at the moment. It's really <laughs> annoying. All right, but let's just, just just talk about players that are returning really quickly. That's the transfer speculation done. So we have a release list today of all the players that have left. And what was really interesting, actually, oddly enough, was that I didn't know that we offered contracts to Luca Della Torre and to Matt O'Reilly. I thought they just left off in a huff. So anyway, we had the release list. We know that Harry Art has gone back. We know that congolo has gone back. But the players returning, so we've got Fabri, Seri and Angisa. And what I want to ask you both really quickly, it seems that from today, it was announced by Calatasaray, that their interest in John Michael seri has now dropped. Do you see that Jean Michael seri could actually return to the Fulham squad and that Angesa is going the other way if one of the two were staying, which one do you think would and I'll go to you Mr. Reese
0: I think of the two i'd you know this is me I'd much rather Ang. I'd much rather Anguisa. just go think what yeah. he can offer and what we're, and again what we're going to need in the Premier League I think he offers that more than the the flash and flare of of jean Michael Serri. So I think, to be honest, to be brutally honest, though you know what I was saying earlier. If you look at the central midfielders we have, you know Reed, Lamina, Onama, Kenny, are really you know really the main four. You can make the argument that Anguissa should be the fifth. I know I'm missing a player there somewhere because again, if we are to assume that Johansson and McDonald are gone, so count them out of the equation. That brings us to five: mm. Reed, Lamina, Onama, Kearney and Anguissa. Do we really need room for a sixth? No, so I think of that lot, Seri probably goes. Again, I I, mm. I also wouldn't be surprised if Anguissa goes, but I think we then need another dif- another midfielder slash defensive midfielder to fill that to fill that fifth spot.
1: But that could be the Florentino Luiz guy who's potentially on his way. I, I feel like Anguissa is the most Angu- likely to yeah. go, but. That's the one. Yeah, I, I feel I feel that like Anguisa is the likeliest to go just because that he's the most money we can probably get at this present time. What are your thoughts, Mr Oakley, really quickly?
2: I would, I, I'd love Anguisa to stay. I think towards the end of the Premier League season, he did start to look quite good, although obviously that wasn't really when it mattered, but he did start mm. to look good and I, I think he'd fit in quite well. I've seen news articles where he said he liked working under Scott Parker Um and and I think with him, Reed and Onoma as the midfield and Kearney and Lamina rotating would be great. But like you say, if we get that Louise guy, it looks like Angus is probably going to go. Uh, and Seri is just uh, not for me. I, I don't think he's as good as we thought he was going to be when we signed him, obviously. But I also think he was kind of kind, like that player I was mentioning earlier, the player who thinks he's a bit too big for the club. And I think that was kind of like Seri. He stopped trying when there was nothing going for him, although he could have probably helped the club out a bit. And I just think Angissa probably plays for the, the shirt a bit more than the name on the back.
1: Mm, fair enough. Well, let's quickly talk about the other player departure, potentially, K-Mac and Stefjo. Stefjo potentially going to Galatasaray. K-Mac potentially on a loan to some other club, but I pray to God that he comes back as an inner player coach role of some capacity next season. And you've also got Steven Session to Bristol City, but announced today, potentially Alfie off to Bristol City as well. Now, with Steven Sessi off to Bristol City, that makes me think that we are definitely going to hopefully get another right back eventually sometime soon. So there you have it. So that's it. That is basically all the gossip on players coming in and players going out. What we're going to do now is have a little bit of H.A.M. music. And then straight after that, we're going to be talking about our season prediction and our opening four games. Fulham. Right. So first game, Arsenal, 12.30, the 12th of September. Arsenal, first game, Leeds, then away and then Villa at home and Wolves away. What are your thoughts on these opening four matches, Mister Reese? It's not actually—I mean, Arsenal was a scary one, but I feel like this is a little—the fixtures aren't that bad as they were the two seasons ago.
0: No, they don't seem quite as daunting in in that sense. Um, Arsenal, I do think, is is arguably, well, potentially the worst fixture we could have got because they seem to have hit a bit of form because they had you know a bit of a run towards the end of the season. They won the FA Cup semi-final, final. Now they've just got to be in Liverpool. In the charity shield, but whether or not yeah. the whole, yeah, yeah, whatever the week on week off, if that affects the momentum, we don't know. It, it could potentially be brilliant, or it could be bad because we don't know how momentum's going to play with that. But then going into it, yeah, I, I said I said this once the fixtures were released. Basically, once we get Arsenal out of the way, we have got the best start of any of the promoted of any of the promoted sides. So we need, we really need to really build the foundation of our season off those first, you know, not just three or four games. Really, I think it's the first couple of months until we have to, until we get a really challenging, tough time of, you know, teams that finished in the top six or seven last season. So if we are going to have a chance to stay up, then maximum points is going to be a necessity. You think there's going to be a lot of, you know, emotion when we go and play Leeds because it's their first home game back in the Premier League that the emotion of it was probably going to be taken away because there would have been pomp and ceremony, Ellen Roe back in the Premier League, yada, yada, yada. Now there can't be any fans, so stuff that theory. Then the re- <laughs> then the rest of them, you'd hope, one, what you'd hope that we get some decent points out there. It's an, it's an easy start. And if we can't pick up easy points out of that, then I think the doom and gloom is going to start to kick in because I don't see where we're going to get a good run of fixtures to pick up points again later on in the season.
1: Arsenal, leads Villa, Wolves, 3 six, nine, 12 12 points available from the opening four games there, Master Will. What do you think is a realistic points return from those games?
2: Uh, I think seven or s- six or seven is probably okay. uh, good for me. I think Villa I'm quite confident against. Obviously, I don't want to say anything that jinxes it. But I think Wolves... Uh, touch touchwood. touch words. But I think Wolves <laughs> is also um, one of them teams that we could do okay against. Um, I'd say I'm actually more confident to play Wolves than Leeds. Obviously, we haven't played Wolves since last season we were in the Prem. But I don't know why. I feel like Wolves is just one of them teams that we can do well against. Whereas Leeds, because we've played them recently and they obviously beat us just after lockdown, they're probably going in mm-hmm. quite confident. Uh, Whereas Wolves might not know what to expect from us. And Mitrovic always seems to do, you know, like bully their defenders quite well. So I think Wolves and Villa, there's definitely uh, wins or draws out of them. And hopefully a win or a draw out of Arsenal or Leeds. I think a draw out of Arsenal would be great. And that would really get our
1: confidence up, to be honest. I mean, look, last season, you needed 35 points to survive the Premier League. What do you think the points might be like this year? Reece? Obviously, we can't actually guarantee it. These are just predictions. But with COVID, the pandemic, all taken into account, the lack of time, even though the transfer is going on to October, do you think the season could actually be a success for us? Do you think 17th is possible with our squad and with Scott Parker's style of play?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think 17th is possible. You know, if you, lo- if you look at the maths of it, I think this is something that every you know, relegation uh, promotion side rather builds their season around 10 wins at home. That's all we need to do because if you look at it, you know, look at the Premier League, the top seven, eight, you know, are often are often their own stratosphere. So you don't really think you're going to pick up points against them. If you do, it's a bonus. So really, all mm. you need is wins at home against those teams in the bottom half of the table. So your West Broms, your Leeds, your Newcastles, West Ham's, Villas. Uh, Burnley is still here, Southampton, those those teams. If you can get 10 home wins out of those lots, that gives you 30 points. That's really that's mm. really what you gotta start, what you gotta start aiming for. I think at home. I think Scott Parker's style, you know, could benefit us against the against the top six teams. As I said, just just write them off. But against the against the likes of the teams that I mentioned earlier—Newcastle, Southampton, Burnley, Everton, so on—I think we, I think we can do well against them. And I think those ten home wins are very much achievable. We know what we're like in the Premier League away from home. When was the last time we ever had a decent season away from? I think 2009. But even then, I don't think it was that good. I can't remember it being that good off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, we know that away, our away form isn't going to count for much. So We need to build off on what we play on at home. And I think so, Park style can do that.
1: I mean, there's a different feeling now, isn't there, Will? In the sense of we are not as uh, deluded as we were the time before when we thought we were all going to get 10th or 12th. There seems to be a realistic approach to this, thinking, let's just get 17th and just... Let's just have a good time. Lionel Messi might be in the Premier League next season. Let's just enjoy it and try and survive. Maybe, do you think that that sort of communal feeling within the fan base might actually help us to not literally get ahead of ourselves and just be grounded, especially with Scott Parker, who's a very pragmatic, you know, conservative-style of manager?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think Parker's style could eventually get us to pick up a couple of points against, you know, the the bigger teams, um, hopefully anyway, and maybe not get some wins against the lower teams. So, you know, someone like Leeds, we could get a draw against Leeds, but then we might also end up getting a draw against uh, Spurs, let's say, for example. I can definitely see that happening. I just think the way he's quite uh, cautious going into games and doesn't want to do anything too stupid could help us when we're not pushing for, you know, top half of or promotion like we were last season. Obviously, we're not going to be pushing for first place. We're just looking to keep teams behind us, which I think is definitely something we can do with the way Parker organises his teams and and the way he sets up the tactics for matches. Uh, Yeah, so I think you're right. I think the fact that we're not deluded as we were last time and all we want to do is stay up and build on the squad Because like I've probably said multiple times throughout this podcast, it's a long-term project at the moment, and staying up is just that next stage of the project.
1: And last question, something we haven't stumbled into before, even the times we've been in the top flight. is a little something called VAR, which um, seems to be everyone's favorite thing to talk about in podcasts and all kinds of things. Now, just really quickly to both of you, would you say this is a plus or a negative for a team like Fulham? Because Fulham in the past have been very unlucky with decisions, with offsides. Uh, Rhys knows all about those. But just generally, it's just a quick summary from my review: Will, are you looking forward to VAR? Can it actually help or hinder Fulham in this fight for safety in this league?
2: I think overall it could probably help us. I think defensively, um, we're usually quite solid. And I remember we've in the last few years we've he conceded quite a few offside goals and also attacking, we don't seem to, you know, give away many fouls, but then you kind of move on to the topic of Mitrovic who I can see him picking up quite a few, many more cards than he has in the last few seasons because uh, you know, that elbow on Ben White, think about that. If that went to VAR, he's getting sent off straight away. I know he did eventually get a ban for that, but he's getting sent off straight away from that. And the way he's quite aggressive in his play But I think also with Mitrovic, he can get advantages out of that because I can think of so many times where he's been in the box and because he's big, people pull his shirts. In the Premier League, people aren't going to get away from that. So hopefully it goes more in Mitrovic's favour than doesn't go in his favour, but I can definitely see that going both ways.
1: Hopefully Cabano's as well after that absolute clear penalty against Bristol City. I mean that was mental. But um Reese quickly, VAR yes or no, looking forward to it or not. Or maybe you don't care. What do you what do you think?
0: I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to it because as someone who wrote their uh, a project on it when I was in Sick form College and who wrote their dissertation on the whole idea of electronic assistance in helping referees um you know I've been quite I've been quite averse to this, to the subject so I'm quite happy with I did say, you know, when I was doing that research, the VAR was the way to go forward. So I'm, so you won't hear me saying a bad word against VAR. I think it's brilliant. It means the game is officiated fairly. Yes, there are some mistakes, but there are some mistakes. It's a better game. I'm not looking forward to the inevitable cries of outrage the Fulham fans will inevitably, you know, because every fan base goes through it, complaining about VAR. And you know, when we complain, you know that someone's toe was offside. Or why didn't this go to VAR? Or why did this go to VR when the other one did? That's the bit I'm not looking forward to, because I know that a lot of fans just don't get it because they don't like it, so they just find any excuse to shout at it and blame it for everything that goes wrong. I'm, I'm looking forward to VAR, but I'm not looking forward to the backlash that's going to come from it, mainly, mainly from people within our own group. Hello there, Danny. I know, I know <laughs> he's listening. I know, I do, sorry, our boss, Daddy, does not like VAR. He's very much, he's very much against it. So it's a little cheeky dig to him there. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's great.
1: Well, I've got Danny in my earpiece right now saying to absolutely pull the plug in this podcast. We're out of time, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much to my lovely co-house. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us. Frenchy will be doing a show next week, previewing the game against Arsenal at 12.30 on September the 12th. Thank you very much. Stay safe.